Hello, and welcome to Weekly MTG. I'm back. Welcome back, Blake. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Hi. Um, yeah, we've got a great show today. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with War of the Spark. We've got some guests here in the studio who you may recognize. Uh, we've got Dave Humphreys and we've got Andrew Brown, who've both done a ton of work with War of the Spark. Uh, we're going to show off five cards officially. Some of these leagues, I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to show off five cards uh, to kind of close out previews. Uh, and then we got a couple other things to reveal. Yeah, we got some surprises, some delights, as you'll see on the... On the uh, surprises, you know, delights, yeah. There. One of them is, is Mythic Edition. Dude. It is. We tweeted Surpr about it. Oh, whatever. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we're going to show off uh, Mythic Edition cards. Yeah, uh, we've been waiting to, to get these out for a long time now that... Preview season is officially winding down. It's time to get people hype about that particular product. Yeah. So it's going to be really, going to be a lot of fun. Good show today. Uh, but Good yeah, show. let's let's start by talking about the first, uh, the the last five preview cards yeah. that have not been officially revealed. Um, I think one of them is even still a secret to everyone. Yeah, could be. Uh, but yeah, let's get going with those, and then we'll talk a little bit about War of the Spark. So we've got uh, the first one we have coming up is Aven Eternal. Aven Eternal is a Creature, zombie bird warrior for two generic mana and one blue mana. It has flying, and whenever it enters the battlefield, amass one, and it's a 2-2. Two -two. This, this is part of our new breed of uh, exciting... Exciting. Commons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's Wait, exciting about this one? Oh, well... Puts three power on the board for Three, three. power on the board, and you yeah. get an amass. It's uh, amass. One thing that I think some people haven't completely appreciated is that you yep. get a sort of a haste factor to this. Like, for example, there's a pretty innocuous-looking... Uh, four mana, a mass three card that you could right. follow up to this and be attacking for a lot. Yeah. Okay. Aven Eternal, definitely one of the stronger blue commons, and you generally want to kind of draft it as high as you possibly can every time. Now, how good is flying in this set? Because we were talking a little bit off air beforehand about how it's important to be able to attack planeswalkers. Mm -hmm. So is evasion more important in this set than it normally is? Uh, yeah, definitely with um, a different, like, uh, card type in Planeswalker that you can attack and they'll take down loyalty and you can interact with them. It's definitely very important <laughs> that there's more evasion, Blake. Good, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the lesson, Andrew. Plus, it's you a have no idea what we're laughing. It's, it's okay. It's a zombie bird warrior. Too. It is. It's got a cool. Yeah. It's got a cool. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one. He's, he's got a lot of jobs. He yeah. has many things to do. Yeah. Uh, the next card is Callus Dismissal. Uh, Sorry, which missile? Dismissal. Yeah. Uh, it is a two mana, one and a blue sorcery that returns any non-land permanent to its owner's hand, and then it has a mass one, which, as you said a second ago, people are kind of sleeping on a little bit. But yeah. there's also something else special about this card. Uh, yeah, so with the mass being one of the key mechanics, we kind of scaled back some of our uh, bounce effects. So Callous Dismissal, Totally Lost, and Tyrant Scorn are only going to be the are the only real cards that you can use to bounce an opposing creature. Okay, so that because that would make armies less valuable if exactly. you had too much bounce in the set. Right. And th this is pretty flexible too in terms of resetting a planeswalker of your mm -hmm. own or whatnot. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I'm going to be using that on a lot of planeswalkers that are down <laughs> to their last loyalty. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the normal scheme we kind of set up with planeswalkers is they, they'll either, either have a high starting loyalty with a minus one or a odd starting loyalty with a minus two, so you'll get them down to minus one a fair amount of the time. Okay. 
Next card. Up. Next card we have is Sky Theater Strix. Sky Theater Strix is a bird, which is much less good than a zombie bird wizard, just to begin with. Uh, but it costs one generic mana and uh, one blue mana. It's a 1-2. With flying, when you cast a non-creature spell, Sky Theater Strix gets plus 1, plus 0 oh until end of turn. So, pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of pseudo-prowess. A little bit prowess. This is... It's prow. doesn't have the, the <laughs> back half of it. Yeah. yeah. I like that chip. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you can have it. Uh, next up, we have Thunder Drake. Another blue common. Uh, this is a four mana flyer that whenever you cast your second spell of the turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Thunder Drake. How good is this card? I like this card a lot. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I think it's a good mix of uh, if you want to play like blue white, you can play blue red, you can proliferate counters on it, you can put more counters by casting a lot of spells on it. So there's, it fits into a lot of different decks and like we talked again, Blake, Flying is strong <laughs> in War of the Spark Limited because you want to attack Planeswalkers. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Great. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Uh, we've got, What's our finally, last we've one? got Wall of Runes. Wall of Runes is a creature that's a wall. Costs uh, one blue mana. Mm -hmm. It's a 0-4 with Defender, and when Wall of Runes enters the battlefield, scry one. This, of course, comes in the tradition of many different Wall of naming conventions, such as Wall of Blossoms, Wall of Omens. Now we have Wall of Runes. And as Steve says, scry one is basically draw a card. Basically. <laughs> it's basically just draw a card. Come on. And don't sleep on this one either. You know, we have our friend Arcades. We have High mm -hmm. Alert. Yep. There's only, it's only a matter of time before the walls take over standard. <laughs> <laughs> or not. And this is a one mana wall. One, one mana wall. And not all creatures yeah. are going to fly, so this can also protect your planeswalker. <laughs> uh, yeah, Andrew, how important <laughs> is it to defend your planeswalkers in this ooh, format? Ooh. Equally as important as attacking the opposing planeswalkers. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, there are a lot of really cool things about this set. Obviously, pre-release coming up next week. I know a lot of people are excited about that. Uh, Planeswalker card in every pack, plus a promo Planeswalker in your uh, pre-release kit. That's mm -hmm. um, seven Planeswalkers, potentially. Good math. Or actually, yeah. actually seven Planeswalkers. Uh, if I go to pre-release, if I were to go to pre-release and wanted to jam seven Planeswalkers into my sealed deck, mm -hmm. is that a thing that is possible for me to do in this set? reasonably possible for me to do. It actually is. Um, the fixing, the mana fixing in War of the Spark is a little bit stronger than we normally give you, but I think the special thing about War of the Spark in particular is some of the Planeswalkers are, have color color in their mana cost, but we've given you a lot of tools to actually double splash, meaning add two different colors of mana that are not normally in your deck. So we have cards like Guild Globe, Interplanar Beacon, and Firemind's Vessel to kind of give you multiple of different mana that you didn't already have. Mm -hmm. Right, and certainly we, we put hybrid mana onto the Planeswalkers, like, other than just being cool in and of itself, one of the reasons we did that on the set is very much for sealed deck, where, like, you'd see all these Planeswalkers want to play them all, and hybrid mana just made it easier for them to fit in more of the, the deck builds. Mm -hmm. So obviously the, the set is all about Planeswalkers. But how how much is limited? How much does that reflect in limited play? How much does limited play revolve around planeswalkers typically? Uh, a lot more than usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people yeah people will have in, in many cases like five planeswalkers in sealed. They'll they'll have in many cases sometimes like five in draft too. So it, it can matter a lot. They'll come up. You have to you want to have ways to deal with them before they get to to use their abilities too many times. Um, 
and as we'll talk yet, I mean, there, there are a lot of even just one-shot tricks that you might normally not play in limited. You'll want to play here just to make sure that like you can punch through for a given turn, even mm -hmm. if that's like not what you'd necessarily prioritize in, in previous formats. Yeah, and uh, again, it's just such a unique experience because there are all these Planeswalkers Unlimited that nobody has really a frame of reference what it's like. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be totally new, totally different, and totally fun. So what were some of the challenges in trying to jam this many Planeswalkers into a limited environment? Yeah, it's a whole lot. It's like a lot. It's 36. <laughs> it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, some of those we just had to yeah figure out in general what, like, what that was going to reward players for learning and doing and mastering. I mean, this, this format is certainly one that the, the more experience you get with it, the, the, the more tricks you're going to find to be able to protect and attack Planeswalkers. Um, we, we didn't want there to be too high of a like learning curve. You know, some of our formats, like we still wanted to feel like magic. We still wanted you to be playing cards that, for the most part, would normally be good in any format. Um, but yeah, th there are certain things like the fact that you're going to want to attack Planeswalkers means that there's sort of an artificial increased life total. Like an, unless you're just ignoring Planeswalkers, which usually is not a good idea, then <laughs> like you had to attack that Planeswalker five for five, that Planeswalker for seven or whatever the case is. So in that sense, the games can go a little bit longer. There's, there's some life gain too. We also want to make sure that Planeswalkers matter here. Like we don't want just somebody to play a Planeswalker and have it get, you know, quickly dispatched. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, a lot of iteration to yep. see see what yeah like what's going to make it good if if players have games that go a little bit longer because there is sort of this artificial life total buffer. Uh, and yeah, just from like uh, in a, a balance standpoint too, um, this was one of the hardest sets for me to kind of like think about what was strong and what was weak because a lot of my card evaluation um, from the front was just wrong a lot of the time after I played some matches and played some games. So. Uh, I'm super excited for the Mythic, Mythic Championship. Uh, you get to see all these pro players play with new cards they haven't played with before. I'm super stoked to see how they evaluate them mm -hmm. and if they're right or if they're wrong. And uh, yeah, War of the Spark, super fun limited format. It's right. one of my favorites. Yeah. And you can certainly end up with decks like we do play tests and some people would have like six Planeswalkers and some would have zero. So like mm -hmm. you, you can certainly take different approaches on how much you want to prioritize it or worry about it or you know take, take a sort of a different path. Okay. Well, let's narrow it down a little bit to talk about actually uh, designing and tweaking and developing the Planeswalkers. Uh, the, the static ability on Planeswalkers is a new thing. It's a new concept in War of the Spark. Was that something designed specifically for this set, or was that kind of an idea that had been rattling around that you saved for this set? Right, so there, there had been some occasions in which leads for sets had come up with a static ability that they wanted for a Planeswalker, and it, it had come up a couple times for Mythic Planeswalkers in the, the past year or two. Um, and we had decided we, we really want to hold off. Let's, there's only so much design space in theory for Planeswalkers. Um, let, let's hold that for, we were actually thinking we were going to hold it for Nickel Bolas in the set. That was going to be like the cool special thing we did for Nickel Bolas. Like mm -hmm. that would be the first static, like, you know, meaningful static on a, a Planeswalker, and we'd do it here. Um, instead, start with Tybalt and work. Instead, it. start yeah. with Tybalt. No, but in yeah, fairness, <laughs> that Bolas static is still very, very relevant. <laughs> very yeah. Let's be real. It could um, use Tybalt's ability. Yeah, totally. Yes. But, but <laughs> I, I do think like some of the origin of Planeswalkers and some of the space that was explored of like you know whether it's structures that you can attack or like kind of enchantments you can attack. Um, there was some overlap be, be with some of the very early Planeswalkers designs. So I, I think in that sense, this was. Some, something that was a known part of like a design space that we could go to and it was just deployed at the right time and 
once we started latching onto it, and it, it just gave us so much room to do really flavorful stuff because it didn't have to be like necessarily super powerful. Like some of the power could be more in the loyalty abilities mm -hmm. and kind of get more of a flavorful static ability. And in some cases, the static ability is really actually where all the power is. But it, it let us speak to the planeswalkers really where, well to their personalities and to their power suites. Yeah, and uh, from a play design perspective, like having 36 planeswalkers that we can put static abilities on really opens up the space of like we can have s really niche effects target certain things. Um, so like I'll talk about later, but we've positioned some of these um, planeswalker static abilities to do specific things in specific formats. Let's sure. talk about that now. Like I, yeah. before we get to that, yeah. I want to oh, okay. um, I want to. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, I'm railroad you <laughs> yeah, all day. Yeah, seriously. Um, I want I want to <laughs> expand a little bit on some of the stuff you've been talking about with regards to uncommon planeswalkers specifically, sure. um, because you've got you guys have a lot of experience designing mythic planeswalkers that are at a mythic power level. What was it like having to then ratchet a lot of that down for uncommons and even rares? Right. Well, so uh, again, uh, we went through a lot of iteration. Like it, it, at the start of design, Vision had handed off like half the uncommons. I think had just a static, half had just a minus. Um, in general, that just wasn't a super satisfying thing. Like, oh, these are the coolest, coolest characters in our game, the most iconic things. Um, let's let's get to a place where yeah, they're they're still doing something pretty cool, pretty functional. Um, I mean, we, we don't we can't really put limited in a spot where like there's just going to be like really swingy, bomby. I must, if you don't answer this, it's just going to take over the game and, and do an ultimate or keep doing its thing every turn. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think that these are, yeah, just kind of the next evolution on Planeswalkers for us. I mean, um, it lets us put them in, like, yeah, in every game. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a challenge. Like Dave said, it took tons and tons of work to kind of get them into I am satisfied when I play this, and my opponent is not totally out of the game when I do get to do my activate my uncommon planeswalker a bunch of times. So there's tons of number fixes. We went up and down and side and right, and uh, hopefully we came out to a good spot. Right, and, and, a, and a lot of these is like, if you can use these twice, they're really good cards in your deck. If you mm -hmm. can only use them once, they're they're not necessarily particularly good. But that that sort of needs to be the balancing point because because mm -hmm. each of those scenarios are going to come up, and then like the the average power level is kind of between those, and then making them strong is all about trying to get to use them a second or third time. That's why flying's important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Steve, I believe you had a question. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you were able to sort of put some more target, we'll say not actual targeted abilities, but abilities that are more targeted to specific strategies mm -hmm. uh, on these Planeswalkers. Do you have any examples that you might be able to give yeah. us as to what the intent was on some of that stuff? Uh, yeah, sure. I can, we can bring up my favorite uncommon Planeswalker, uh, Narset Parter of Veils. Um, so we... We watch a lot of the metagames for our different formats, and you know one of the popular cards in Legacy is uh, Leovold, mm. and uh, part oh, the of the emissary of trust. Y yes, yeah. yes. Uh, part of why Leovold is powerful is because of the static ability; each opponent can't draw more cards. So we figured we can put that on a cool new permanent type like Narset, and we can also tie it to some card advantage, and we could also make it blue so you can pitch it to Force of Will. So Narset's got a lot of things going on. I believe she's a strong Legacy card and a strong limited card. Okay. All right. Dave, what was your favorite uncommon planeswalker? Right. Well, so yeah, my, mine goes to another <laughs> topic a little bit. I mean, th th certainly there are a lot of cards like Andrew mentioned, like Ashiok and, mm -hmm. and plenty of others that are kind of more targeted for other formats. Uh, 
I mean, Vraska, Vraska is a card that I really just enjoy from more of a limited perspective. Me where too. it, um, you know, you're, you're creating tokens that can take down planeswalkers. Um, mm -hmm. they, have, they have death touch and planeswalker death touch yeah. e effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just like th there's some other stuff going on with this that's cool. Like you can actually, in theory, build a deck around creatures with death touch. Like that's not something normally you'd be doing searches through gather or whatever to do. Like yeah. I can find a bunch of death touch creatures and. One liability of death touch creatures is they usually are like one ones or something kind of small, and your opponent can like, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll take one. And you know, we just came up with a static ability where like your your opponent can't just keep taking damage from yep. that; they're going to get bigger and bigger. And you know, certainly like there are lots of little little new paths that people can explore. Yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely really love the gameplay of I have my small death touch creature, I attack. Do you want to block? I can get bigger, or you can trade off your slightly bigger thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool dynamic gameplay. Also, that uh, that hybrid mana cost making things easier to cast on exactly. the uncommon planeswalkers. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have other favorite cards in the set? Uh, I guess for for limited, probably um, hitting back on that theme I was talking about earlier. But uh, stealth mission is one of my favorite cards. Um, it's a two U uh, put two counters on a creature you control, and then that creature can't be blocked this turn. Um, you know, like Dave was talking about, like we balanced a lot of this about Planeswalkers activating their abilities multiple times, mm -hmm. but this card can actually make it so that your the opposing Planeswalker can only be activated once. Mm -hmm. And you get that residual value in the plus one, plus one counters, which you can maybe proliferate on later. So this card's super flexible, and I definitely always want to have one of it in every blue deck. And how important is evasion? <laughs> <laughs> important. <laughs> Just slightly. Just slightly. Yeah. All right, other favorites. Limited, constructed, have at it. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, death, death Sprout's pretty cool on both axes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of players here that like to get super greedy with their mana bases. Mm -hmm. uh, death Sprout, like, towards the end of design process, we, we decided that, like, we wanted black-green to be mostly about, like, yeah, it would be the, the color pair this time. Like, often we do it more in blue-green that, like, let's just have it be more of, like, a five-color deck or, mm -hmm. you know, or, or just play as many colors as it can. Um, you know, Andrew's already talked about a lot of the cards that help you splash stuff. This is... You know, just a, a pretty cool functional card that lets mm -hmm. you make sure you can cast some more Planeswalkers that you might have splashed in your deck or some of the, the other cards that are, um, you know, have double mana requirement um, yep. in, a, in a particular card like this one. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Black Green is actually one of my favorite archetypes to draft. The five color theme really lets you be super greedy and take any Planeswalker you want, take that powerful removal spell that you can splash, and Death Sprout is actually both. It's mm -hmm. a it's a lot of fun. I think includes some pretty sweet art from Seb McKinnon. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and I want to add while we're chatting here, I am jotting down some questions from chat. So if you have questions for either Andrew or Dave or Steve or I, sure. I guess why not? Um, Probably just for you. Put them in chat. I'll grab some of them. We'll answer them a little bit later. But I am watching. Feel free to put them in the chat. Um, anyway, let's talk more about constructed and and maybe some combos that you guys have. Uh, highlighted some combos coming up huh? in standard. Uh, I guess we can talk about uh, the Wanderer and Command the Dread Horde. That's a two-card combo. Um, so we can bring up either one first, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, it's a reanimate the entire graveyard, take no damage. I have an enormous force. It's your turn. Uh, yeah. So here we have the Wanderer, which prevents all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you. And then next is Command the Dread Horde which uh, 
I believe you take damage equal to the converted yeah, mana yeah, cost. Yeah. Choose, choose any number of target creature and or planeswalker cards in graveyards. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. Yeah, so if you have the Wanderer out and then you cast Command the Dreadhorde, you can get everything in all graveyards under your control. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Potentially a whole lot of permanents that are going to be on the board yeah. under your control. It's also, um, you can also do that combo with uh, the Gideon Sacrifice. Gideon Sacrifice, yeah. Very yeah. thematically intentional. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Oh, yeah. Nice. Flavorful. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Uh, what other combos do you guys like? Uh, I guess I like um, God Eternal Bantu a lot. Um, I played a lot of this card in mm -hmm. uh, Future Future League. It was a ton of fun. Um, so it lets you sacrifice any number of permanents to draw that many cards. Um, and then it's resilient, and then when it dies or is put into exile, you get to put a third from the top. But it combos with so many cards in standard. I think one of my favorites is Mayhem Devil from War of the Spark. So you can build like kind of a Rakdos aggro deck, mm -hmm. and then your top end is sacrifice all your permanents and then deal that much damage to them. So. Uh, Tons of different ways to attack your opponent and draw a bunch of cards at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think World Shaper was another one you mentioned. Yeah, World Shaper is, is another one of my favorites. That's a that's not in War of the Spark. It's not in yeah. War of the Spark. It's a slower combo, but essentially you get to sacrifice all of your lands and then bring them back and draw cards mm -hmm. equal to um, the number of lands you sacrifice. Plus, you can put Evolving Wilds in your deck, get a lot of value. Or Evolutionary Sage. Or Evolutionary yeah, Sage yeah. too. Good segment, Dave. Yeah, good good segment. Good really segment. good segue. That's good. I like it. Yeah, no, I, I think there's just a lot of fun stuff to be done with this. Uh, yeah, I mean, proliferate's super appealing way to get to really fast ultimates. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. exactly which planeswalkers you'd be putting in that deck you were describing. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. I mean, I've seen people wanting to do scape shift or all sorts of other pretty out there stuff. Scape mm -hmm. shift, which is standard legal. <laughs> yes, that, that is. Yeah. That is standard legal. Yeah. Uh, let's also talk about one of the combos that's probably gotten the most written about it so far mm -hmm. is uh, Rao and uh, Expansion Explosion. Yeah, um, so the rare Rao Zarek in the set says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery or you copy something, you get to deal one damage to target creature, uh, target opponent or planeswalker, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have Rao in play, another spell in your hand, and two expansion explosions, you get to deal infinite damage to your opponent. Mm -hmm. um, we played it in our FFL, and it was pretty difficult to actually pull off. Um, it's a lot to ask for, mm -hmm. uh, especially because you can only have four copies of expansion explosion in your yeah. deck, and there's definitely a cost to including four RAL and four expansion explosion in your deck. So after uh, a fair amount of play, we decided that, uh, yeah, we should unleash it on the world. and. Uh, Hopefully, it can be a fun little combo that you can have in your back pocket. Nice. Uh, we do have some questions from chat that I'll go through now. Love it. Um, so, one question um, that was it, it was, seemed like a genuine question. Uh, will, will every box, since there are 36 packs in a box and 36 planeswalkers, the question was, will a box contain every planeswalker in the set? Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> the packs are still randomized. Yeah. So it is, uh, they, you will, each pack will contain at least one Planeswalker. Um, which brings us to the next question I got. Can you get a Planeswalker and a Foil Planeswalker in the same pack? That's my understanding. Yeah, yeah I, I, I believe so. Uh, next, uh, how'd Soren get unstuck from the rock? 
You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> that nobody has an answer to. <laughs> there, we'll find, maybe we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. Magic. 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 Um, no, we that happened off screen. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> maybe he just tried real hard for a really long time. Yeah. 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 And in the end, it did matter. It <laughs> well done. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, next question. So there was an article this morning. If you don't know, uh, on yeah. Polygon. Uh, signature spellbook Gideon was revealed this morning on Polygon. Uh, there was a typo in the uh, article that has since been corrected that said Rest in Peace was going to be in standard. Rest in Peace is not going to be in mm -hmm. standard, but it is being reprinted in signature spellbook. So yeah. if you want Rest in Peace for those lovely non-rotating formats that you play, signature spellbook Gideon could be a good place to go grab that. Yeah. yeah. But not in standard. Not being reprinted in standard. No. Uh, and then we had a question from, from Alias V. Oh! When are our streamers? Alias uh, v. Steve, when are you going to go do karaoke <laughs> with them? Uh, Ailey, if you want to come to Seattle, like, we'll, we'll go karaoke. <laughs> It'll be great. You, me, and Nate Price. It'll be awesome. Uh, but yeah, yeah, always, always happy to go do some karaoke. Uh, there are a lot of questions about, obviously, today is uh, kind of the, the Gideon's death day. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys are not on the on the creative side, the story side, uh, but do you do you have any insight into why why Gideon here? Why was he the one to make the sacrifice? Uh. <laughs> no is fine. Again, are, this is not the story group, um, yeah. but was there? So did you guys know that going into this that you'd be designing cards that would talk yes. about Gideon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. From the from the very outset of set design, if if not well before that even. Mm -hmm. um, that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned. <laughs> you guys that. are like, we're past this. <laughs> yeah. We mourned for a little bit, yeah. but you know, it <laughs> but happened. Yeah, I, mean, I think I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the article that I had go up yesterday or whenever. Um, D Doug had given like forty nine, like legendary creatures, legendary artifacts, mm -hmm. story beats, and yeah, certainly in all that, just from from the first month of set design, it was you know, make a card showing Gideon sacrifice, make a card showing. Gideon with their regulars afterwards, or you know something to that effect of you know some sort of heartwarming thing, and um, so yeah, uh, that was all built in right from the start, including yeah like you know him flying in, him getting shot off the Pegasus, mm -hmm. him with the black blade, all yeah, all that was from well planned out in advance. Okay, um, we're gonna add one or two more questions, and then we're gonna move on because we've still got. If you got surprise surprises, and surprises and delights yeah. at the bottom, um, was there any uh, playtesting or thought or anything to uh, adding all these proliferate cards to uh, what they do to Commander? There are questions about, especially you know, you see a tracks and every other thread about this this or that proliferate card. How much did you guys look at that? We have people on our yeah, teams we, that like to play Commander, but and rely on them. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could we ever visit Ravnica again? Yes. <laughs> Anything's possible with the power of positive thinking. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just tell us where we are and what to do. Yeah. And then we just make <laughs> we just show up and yeah, yeah and why not? <laughs> uh, cool. So let's move on to surprises. Surprises, yeah. Surprises. I'll still be watching for questions. We'll see if at the end of the show if we have time for any more of them. Uh, but we need to get to a couple other things. Yeah, we got to get this uh, all this out in an hour. So one of the things that we did, we did a show uh, of about a month ago, I think, right after you went out on leave, mm -hmm. where uh, Greg Wiseman came onto the show and 
he talked about his work on the War of the Spark Ravnica novel, which is coming out April 23rd. Uh, and a lot of people during that show asked what's going to happen to Magic Story. What's going on with Magic Story? You know, tell me what's going on with Magic Story. And we promised that we would let them know at some point. Well, the point is now. Uh, Magic Story is coming back 100%. And uh, guess what? Greg Weissman is writing Magic Story. The free Magic Story that goes online, the web fiction. Greg will be writing that. Uh, so same guy who wrote the book. Same guy who wrote the novel is also going to be writing the web fiction for... War of the Spark. Uh, think of them sort of as secret chapters to the novel. That's sort of how we've been thinking about it. Uh, they're telling the story from a different perspective, and it's going to be from uh, Rat, who is a character that uh, Greg invented for the novel uh, that plays a pivotal role in the story. So you'll get to see the events of War of the Spark from a slightly different perspective. Even if you've uh, picked up the novel or intend to pick up the novel, you're going to get a, uh, a whole different perspective on the events that are there mm -hmm. by reading the web fiction. So, okay. And that all starts out on May 8th, so you don't have that May much longer 8th. to wait. Coming up. Uh, and additionally, if you still have not gotten your magic story fix after the free web fiction from Greg, the novel from Greg, you can also sign up for the Delray newsletter, mm -hmm. and that will get you prequel stories delivered directly to your inbox uh, by Django Wexler. Nice. So those are going to be pretty cool. But yeah, lots of, uh, I know lot, lots of people were asking about what's going on with Magic Story. That is what's going on with Magic Story. You will get War of the Spark Story. Uh, if you want to keep up with the events in what goes on specifically during the giant uh, War of the Spark, you can do that on mtgstory.com. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some delights. Yeah, I do love delights. <laughs> I love them. Uh, these specific Much more delights. Than the darks. These specific delights. Uh, War of the Spark Mythic Edition. We're doing uh, Mythic Edition again for War of the Spark. Um, and we're going to reveal all eight special planeswalkers. All eight of them. One on at a time. One at a time. Suspense. Um, yeah, so let's, do we want to do that or do we want to do the product shot first? Uh, no, we should do this. We should do we this do and then this. we'll do the yeah, product yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess I'll start. The, we, we have some reprints from War of the Spark, specifically, uh, in this Mythic Edition. The first one is Gideon Blackblade. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see the awesome full-bleed so art treatment on your screen there for yep, Gideon Blackblade. So this is the War of the Spark version of Gideon. And it's getting the, uh, yeah, the cool treatment. Yep. Looks really great there. All of these will be getting the cool treatment, so yeah. So I, I played an FNM oh, last yeah. uh, Friday, and I was playing... Um, is it Drake's? Just sure. Louis Scott I Park's was business. there. You were there. Yeah. And among my cards in the deck were, was the Masterpiece version of Rao Zarek. Yes. And I literally had people walk behind me and go, that's really cool, man. <laughs> or just like ooh and ah. Yeah. So they, they, ca they, get, they get some attention. Did that They're mean nice. that your opponent knew exactly what was in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, all right. What do we have next? The next one is also Warbs. Yes. It is, uh, it is another mythic... Uh, Rarity Planeswalker in the set. It is Nicol Bolas, Dragon God. Uh, how could we cool not? Art. Yeah, how could we not? I love that static ability. Mm -hmm. Nickel, yeah. The, the, uh, everybody do the claw. It almost uh, looks like he's taking the oath. <laughs> oath of the uh, this is, of oath course, of the Nicol one with Bolas. the static ability that uh, Nicol Bolas, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other Planeswalkers on the battlefield, which is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Can get pretty out of hand. Yeah, my, my favorite thing with this card is uh, the drop-down menu you get when you're playing MTG <laughs> Arena. <laughs> Ooh, do I That's want one of this? I could get one of that, too. 
<laughs> Dave, you were saying this is one of your favorite cards in the set. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we did so many iterations on this card. I mean, it's funny with the, the static I mentioned in the article again mm -hmm. that, like, it's funny in that nobody designed the static. <laughs> like, Yanni Skolnick was like, hey, I have an idea for the static. Da -da 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 -da. And like, oh. And then I, I recited back these words, and he's like, no, no, that's not what I said. I, I said this. And I'm like, I don't know. That was a <laughs> pretty <laughs> I don't know. That sounds I don't know. This one seems pretty good. We're going to go with this one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we went through a ton of iteration on all yep. of these abilities other than, I guess, the minus three was in there from the start. But right. everything else, <laughs> a lot of work, a lot, a lot of, of work. Yeah, lots of I'm, number I'm tweaks. I'm pretty in love with where this ended up. Yep, I'm really happy with this one, too. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, the next one is going, I don't know if it's going to be a gut punch to people who are fans of this or, like, why they're going to celebrate. Why not both? I don't know. He wasn't in the actual set. And but people he, were like, why didn't he show up? But he is in the Mythic Edition. He is in the <laughs> Mythic Edition. So he's here in spirit. Yeah. Uh, it's Garrick Apex Predator. Garrick Apex this is the Predator. the Garrick that uh, thematically destroys another target planeswalker. <laughs> so uh, somewhat thematically appropriate. Uh, but yeah, not much to say about this one. Uh, it is cool. It's got some cool <laughs> new art from, uh, from the previous edition. Some abilities for Bullos to copy. Yeah, all of these have, have abilities from Boss <laughs> Coffee, in fact, which is cool. Uh, next up, we have... Um, I was actually... When I saw Sarkin was on the list, mm -hmm. I, this was not the first one that came to mind, but as soon as I saw what it was, I was like, yeah, awesome. That's, yeah. That is, it is probably my favorite Sarkin, even if it wasn't the most played. Uh, Sarkin Unbroken. And so this, of course, represents after Sarkin went back in time and did all the timey-wimey stuff and yeah. got right in the head. And uh, became Teamer for a no little bit. No Sark in the Mad for this guy. Nope. Nope. And, of course, Dragons. Yes. So uh, that's one, two, three, four, four of them. There are four left. Uh, <laughs> next one is a, is a Planeswalker that I really enjoy playing in Commander. It's Tezzeret the Seeker. Uh, this is actually the second version of Tezzeret that has gotten a Mythic Edition treatment, the other mm -hmm. being Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas. But uh, this one is the mono-blue version. And this one gets some sees some play in Vintage, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this... Across uh, from you, if you're playing moxes and such, because it's uh, it is definitely the prettiest version of this card. Uh, and this next card sees some play in modern, I believe. Uh, it is a red-white planeswalker. It's Nahiri the Harbinger. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I love that art. Mm -hmm. Love it a whole lot. So yeah, yeah lots of. I definitely brought out some Emrakuls with this card in my yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, last two, and these, yeah. these two were spicy. We, these are pretty good. We definitely saved the best, saved for, the best for last. Yeah. Blake, uh, you want to take this one? I'll take this one. You can take the last All one. Right. Um, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Yeah. yeah Tron players rejoice. Uh, this is... Uh, this is this is a good looking version of Ugin. Wow Tron. Yeah. <laughs> wow Tron. Wow. 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 Stay tuned next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the final one, this may be this may come as no surprise to to the people that some people have already guessed it. Yep. Yes, uh, you're. It's it's true. The last one is of course Jace the Mind Sculptor. Of course. Yep. Jace and that's some pretty cool new art for mm -hmm. Jace the Mind Sculptor. One veritable four mana, uh, not four mana, four mana Planeswalker and four ability Planeswalker. Uh, one of the most powerful Jaces ever printed, and uh, you can get yours in Mythic Edition. Let's see that product shot uh, of the whole thing, so you'll you'll be able to acquire this. Yep, and uh, similar to Ravnica Allegiance Mythic Edition, uh, War of the Spark Mythic Edition is going to be limited to only 12,000 units, 
and will be available for sale on the Hasbro Toy Shop eBay store starting Wednesday, May 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, limit two per person again. There will be no reprints of War of the Spark Mythic Edition. Once it's gone, it is gone. And uh, for those of you that are frantically trying to write all this information down, don't worry, there will be an article on Daily MTG about this after the broadcast. And our social team will also be uh, doing some reminders, I believe, before the uh, before it goes officially on sale. Yep, so shortly after we get offline here, uh, you can go to Daily MTG. It'll have all of the information right there. It'll have a link to the Hasbro Toy Shop. Uh, it'll have everything you need. So. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited about these uh, that Ugin and and that Jace the Mind Sculptor, really really great. I love playing with those cards in uh, in formats like Cube, Commander, uh, Modern in some cases. Wow, I love Tron. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to um, yeah. So people are asking about only in America. Uh, nope, that is not correct. So through the Hasbro eBay toy shop, you can order this from yep. anywhere in the world. Uh, and then the MSRP is staying, or there is no MSRP. It the is price, just the price. Yeah. The price is the same as the previous versions, it's which is two forty nine ninety nine, I believe. Um, and then had a couple questions we wanted to uh, get to that I saw in the chat. Uh, we did get the question: When are masterpieces going to be back in sets? Obviously, we're not answering yeah, that. Not good. Don't can't, don't can't answer that. Uh, but uh, we did. We actually said on a previous episode where the professor came in and asked us a very similar yes. question. Yes. Uh, that one of the things we are doing is finding ways to put cool things in just booster packs uh, that are surprise and delights. Yeah. Uh, much in the way that masterpieces are. So keep an eye out for that. Not going to say exactly what those are, exactly when they're coming or anything like that. But uh, it's it's something that we're keenly aware of and we definitely want to do in the future. Uh, they may not be masterpieces. They may just be cool whatevers. But uh, yeah, it's, it's on our radar. Uh, and then the other question is, What's up with the Portal app? I actually saw this in here a couple times. <laughs> We're actually going to answer that question. Yes. Um, not, not not this right week. Now. The week <laughs> after, uh, we'll have an answer to that question yeah. on DailyMTG.com. Thank you for asking. Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, that is it. Uh, do we have anything else? Uh, well, so. let me see here. Well, yes. I can. I can tell you that next week, of course, is uh, Mythic Championship 2 in yep. London. Yes, it uh, is. And as such, Blake and I are actually going to be off next week mm -hmm. because we uh, are going to bring you a special one-hour preview of the event during this time slot. So yep. make sure that you tune back in. Uh, it should give you a cool overview of what the event is going to be, who's going to be there, who's playing, uh, maybe some of the things to look out for in War of the Spark Limited. Uh, we don't actually know because we don't know what the report is going to be yet. But yep. we do know that it's going to be a special preview. You'll have a chance to see that next week in this time slot. And uh, and yeah. I hope that you tune into the Mythic Championship, too. So same time, same channel. Learn about the Mythic Championship. And then, of course, tune in on Friday for the Mythic Championship. Uh, every It's happening in London, so everything is London time. Yep. Uh, so make sure you adjust your watches. Finally, if you uh, missed this. Want to know all of the things that happen? They will all be up on Daily MTG. So the yep. details about story, details about Mythic Edition, all of that is going to be up on Daily MTG uh, shortly after this broadcast is over. Yep, absolutely. Yep. That's all we got. So thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks.